God bless you. You may be seated. And I can't wait for that day. I want to give honor this morning to Brother Ethan Gill. We used my preaching Bible for the play, and I lost track of it and could not find it and showed up here to church and told Ethan I didn't know where it was, and thank the Lord he found it for me. So thank you ever so much, because if I didn't show up with a Bible on the pulpit, Pastor would get me. He already has before. This morning, if you are going through a situation, a storm, or a valley, this message is for you though probably not in the way that you expect because I am not here this morning to necessarily give you comfort and everything's going to be okay and don't you worry because life happens and stuff happens and sometimes in the moment it is not okay. We know eventually it will be, but that's not what I'm here to talk about today. God has laid this on my heart and if you are not going through something right now if everything seems to be going well for you you still have responsibility in this message just buckle in because today because I like science and I like engineering we're gonna start with a technical term I'm not gonna drop you off in space and leave you today we're gonna be more terrestrial today I'm going to start out talking about throughput and how it relates to our lives. So if you are unfamiliar with the term, what is throughput? Throughput as defined is the amount of material or items passing through a system or a process. That is throughput. So with internet, throughput refers to the amount of data the megabytes and gigabytes that are actually passing through your internet connection or the cell phone tower or whatever else. That's the throughput measurement of that tower, how much actual data can go through it. If you're talking about a pipe system, whether it's water or oil, throughput refers to the amount of stuff passing through that pipe in a given time frame, whether it's gallons of water or barrels of oil. That is the measure of throughput of that system. For shipping systems like FedEx and UPS, throughput refers to the number of packages passing through their system to be delivered to people or to be lost, you know, whichever happens. Throughput. So how does that relate to our spiritual lives? All of us, every single one of us, are in a process of being sanctified and perfected by God. And Brother Chris talked some about that this morning. So if you were here for the 10 o'clock service, this is kind of part two of what he talked about. But we are in the process of being sanctified and the process of being perfected. The book of James, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 says, Knowing this that the trying of your faith, 
And that's what it is whenever you go through something. It's trying. Because most of the time, whenever you're in the middle of a situation, it's not just, oh, God's got this, I'll be okay. It's, oh, God, help. It's the trying of your faith, but it works patience. But let patience have her perfect work. In other words, let that process happen. Let your faith be tried and let it produce patience because if patience has her perfect work, then you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. God, unfortunately, doesn't just pop open our heads and our hearts and dump in all it is that we need to survive from birth until glory. It doesn't work that way. He could do it if he wanted to, but there are processes that we have to go through and stuff we have to go through in order for us to learn things about him and what he wants of us individually. The process of perfecting that he walks through with us is as we learn more about him. And that process can be joyous and rapturous when all is going well and we see the fruits of what God's been trying to produce in our lives. But it can also be hard and tough when the storms come and we're in the middle of turbulence. But even through the storms and valleys, he's still working on us. He used to sing that song when I was about this big. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. He is. Through every trial and every tribulation and every situation, he is working on us. Now, sometimes the rough places that we go through are just life happening because the Bible says that it rains on the just and the unjust. Nobody likes to get rained on. Well, some people may like it a little bit, especially if they're really hot. But for the majority of us, we don't like to be rained on. Messes up our hair, gets our clothes soaking wet. Now that we have devices in our pockets and on our wrists, you know, they may die in the water. Being rained on is not a pleasant process. But if it didn't rain, the ground would not get water. The crops would not grow. Rain is a necessary process. And unfortunately, sometimes if we're not watching, we can get rained on because we didn't know the rain was coming and we left the umbrella at the house. Life is the same way. Rain has to come and it comes on the just and the unjust alike. Trials and problems do come because life just happens. But sometimes the rough places are things that he allows to come our way so that we can learn something specific from that experience. 1 Peter chapter 1. If you are looking for a good place to read in the Bible and you don't know what to read next, if you've not already read Philippians along with Brother Chris's 10 o'clock lessons, read that and then read 1 Peter because there is a tremendous amount that Peter says to us as, as the church in this and starting in verse 5 of chapter 1 he says who are kept referring to us he's talking about those that have been sanctified and redeemed that have received the power of God in our lives who are kept by the power of God through faith were kept by his power through our faith in him unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. He said the salvation is ready to be revealed in the last time. You can be confident of your salvation 
but you can also mess it up because we're human and we've constantly got to go through a process of, God, I'm sorry, I messed up. That was sin. I need help with this thing. Salvation will be revealed in the last time once we get on the other side. Verse 6, wherein the salvation, knowing that we have the hope of salvation, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. So sometimes he says it is needful for us to go through the temptations. For a time, it's not going to be forever and for always. We do rejoice in our salvation, but sometimes we are in heaviness. And Peter, the one who got up and gave the Acts 2.38 message, realized and also went through heaviness in his own life. So he's letting the church know sometimes you're going to be rejoicing, but sometimes you're going to be in heaviness. And sometimes that heaviness is because you're being tempted a lot. Verse 7, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, the trial of your faith might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So we will go through things, and they're not just there to no purpose. They are for our growing and for our shaping and for our perfecting. Even things that are just life happening, God still uses. Very familiar passage of Scripture, Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. And we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God to them that are called according to His purpose. So even when it's life just happening, God still uses that and works that for our good. So in the throughput of our lives, the amount of situations and circumstances passing through the process of our perfecting, my question to you today is what are we putting into those situations? In all we are put through, in what ways are we putting in? See, as Chris has said in teaching on Philippians, many times we as Christians have the I syndrome. I, me, my, everything is about me. We think everything is us-centered, and it is not. It's Jesus-centered. It's about Him, not about me. And all of those verses that we've just read, they do point back to us, yes, but we do not live in a bubble. While we're going through our struggles, so are other people going through their struggles. And many times others are struggling right beside us. Our spouses, our children, our family members, our co-workers. Or maybe you struggle with addiction or a situation or circumstance and you know others that are in the same exact struggle. The point is that in all the while that we are struggling, we are not pulled out of this world into our own little shell on our own little struggle bus by ourselves. We are still part of the world. We struggle and fight in the middle of the world that we live in. 
And while we battle and while we are tempted, there are still lost souls all around us that still need Jesus. Because, see, the enemy has done a very good job of pointing our attention inward on ourselves when we are in the process of being attacked or we're in the process of going through the storm. We've ceased to focus outward and we focus inward on me and how do I get God to help me out of what I'm going through. I need help, me, I, this person right here, and we cease to look at everybody else. We see our good times as the times to minister and to witness to others. And we see our bad times as times we need to close in and focus on us. But that's not in the Bible. However, it's often in the depths of our struggles that God can use us even more than on our good days. There were three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were contemporaries of Daniel. They were slaves to King Nebuchadnezzar II. And they upheld God's law. They did everything God's way. They prayed daily. They only ate the things that Jews were supposed to eat. They refused the king's meat. They were faithful to God in everything. And then King Nebuchadnezzar made a decree. And he said, you know what? I'm going to have everybody worship me. We're going to build this graven image of me. The musicians are going to play. Everybody's going to bow down and worship the image. And on the appointed day, the entire city came out. They saw the image. The musicians played. Everybody bowed down except the three Hebrew boys. And the king said, look, y'all are Jews. Maybe y'all don't understand. Whenever I say everybody's going to worship, everybody's going to worship. Okay? Or you're going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. Musicians, get ready to play again. And the, the boy said, hey, hold on, king. We're not going to be careful in how we answer you. We're not going to pick and choose our words. We worship God and God alone. If you've got to throw us in the furnace, throw us in the furnace. But we're only worshiping God, not you and not that statue. The end. King Nebuchadnezzar got a little ticked off. Into the fire they went. And then the Bible says that the guards that threw them in, the heat was so intense that the guards that threw them in died. And apparently there was a platform where the king could look down into the furnace and see what was going on. And he looks down and he sees them walking around. And he says, didn't we throw in three? Because I see four walking in and loosed, and one looks like the Son of God. And afterwards, King Nebuchadnezzar proclaimed that the God of the Israelites was above all other gods. So here's the point. Do you think that they affected more people for God while they were doing God's business and everything was okay, or while they were in the fiery furnace being burned alive. While they were in the struggle is where God was magnified in their lives. Look at Paul and Silas. They were going to minister, and they went to a, a particular city, and 
Mason, I believe, even used this story just recently. And there was a, a girl with a spirit of divination that was following them around. And she was saying, these people are who they say they are. They are come from God to tell us the way. And it had, went on for a couple of days. And then finally, Paul got tired of her. He's like, just stop. That's demonic. You've got a demon in you. Come out in the name of Jesus. And the demon did. It came out. And then the men that owned that girl, because she was a slave and they were making money off of her fortune telling, had Paul and Silas arrested and thrown into prison. And that was when the earthquake came, loosed all their bonds, opened all the doors to the jail. The jailer wakes up, sees all the doors open, and he's ready to commit suicide. And Paul says, stop, we're all still here. And the jailer comes trembling before Paul and Silas. And the, the end of the story is that the jailer was saved, his whole house was saved, and people in the city were saved. But Paul and Silas were in jail, and they had to be beaten with many stripes, is what the word says if you go and read the account, before they were thrown in prison. And they had come to the city, and there's no record of them having a a service before this occurred. So while everything was going well, they had one girl that they were able to free from demonic possession. But then they were beaten and then they were thrown in prison and then God multiplied the word and the ministry and the effect of what they were doing and tens and hundreds were brought in instead of just one while everything was going good. Look at Paul himself. He did much good and he started many works on his multiple missionary journeys. Yet after a time, he was put in prison. And during his imprisonment, he could not go to the churches, but he still felt the need to invest in those churches. He wanted to put something back in while he was going through a struggle. So he wrote letters, letters we have today as Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians, Hebrews. So you tell me, did Paul in the times that were good and he was free witness to more people and have more effect on the world? Or for the last 2,000 years, two-thirds of this New Testament has been letters from Paul that were written to the churches from prison while he was going through his struggle. Which part of his ministry, free or imprisoned, do you think has had the greatest effect on the world? The point is that while I am struggling, there are people that are still lost people around me. And as Brother Chris talked about this morning, whenever I am weak, then I am strong. God can use me more whenever I'm beat down because my flesh isn't getting in the way. My own wants and my own desires aren't in the way, keeping me from speaking, keeping me from sharing the Word of God. If I say I want His will for my life, if that's something that I pray, God, I want Your will for my life, then like Him, I am here to seek and to save that which is lost not to get out of my storm. I exist 
to seek and to save that which is lost. My purpose and my place in the kingdom is to seek and to save that which is lost. The will of God for my life. If you want to know what the will of God for your life is, here it is. It's to seek and to save that which is lost. Everything about this book points back to that. Nowhere does it say, only while things are good, seek and save. So don't let the enemy blind you with your own hurt and your own pain. Because while you are hurt, there are others hurting around you. And whenever you acutely feel pain, you can more often recognize the pain in others. And they still need Jesus just as much as you desperately need Jesus in the middle of your circumstance. If you were in a room with a bunch of sick people and the sickness was unto death and you were dying as well as they and you were suddenly given medicine that would cure your disease and make you better and you had more than enough to share with everyone in the room, would you not share as much and as quickly as you could? And here we are in the world with a bunch of sick people who are dying from sin as well as we and they are struggling and they are hurting and we have been given forgiveness and salvation through Jesus Christ, love beyond measure and peace that is beyond all understanding and there's more than enough for everyone. The only thing preventing us from sharing that with them is us, it's me. As we head into 2024, I want seared into all of our minds, seek and save. What am I putting into what I am going through? While I am hurting, I still need to be sharing Jesus. While I am struggling, I still need to be sharing Jesus. I can't do the saving that's Jesus' business, so that leaves my part as the seeking. I have to be actively looking and searching and praying and interceding for souls to witness too. We're not in this, Brother Chris, again, passively. It is actively. That means I don't go to Super One, and if God brings somebody by to talk to me, then I will talk to them. I get up in the morning, God, here I am, use me. If I can talk to anybody, if you want to speak to anybody through me, point me at them. Let me go talk to them. Let me see something and recognize that's somebody I need to talk to. And let me go and talk to them. I have to be an active participant in the seeking, not passively waiting for God to bring them by my doorstep. He gives me the words to say, so that's not something that I have to worry about. What am I going to say? Whatever He gives you to say. And you pray about it. By praying and fasting and reading the Word of God, I prepare my heart and my mind and my hands and my feet to be ready for His service. I must seek so He can save. And I must still seek while I am being put through things. And I must still put in while I am going through. On my bad days as much as on my good days. Matthew West has a song called Do Something. And you may have heard it on the radio, but 
want to read you the lyrics of the first verse. It says, I woke up this morning and I saw a, a world full of trouble and I thought, how'd we ever get so far down and how's it ever going to turn around? So I turned my eyes to heaven and I thought, God, why don't you do something? Well, I just couldn't bear the thought of people living in poverty, children sold into slavery. The thought disgusted me. So I shook my fist at heaven and said, God, why don't you do something? And he said, I did. I created you. Don't just fold up into a ball and wait for God to give you the strength to make it through your struggle or for the storm to pass by and then everything will be okay. Trust in God to give you day-to-day -day strength and make it through and do something. Do something. Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. It's where the impetus for my message came from. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. That was His purpose. And it has to be our purpose. If you would stand with me this morning. I'm going to end this service a little bit differently this morning. Whenever Paul was going through his struggle in prison, you can look through all of his letters and he implores the church to pray for him while he is in the struggle because it is hard for him. He is trusting in God. He knows that God can deliver him, but he knows that he is not in control. And as much as he is still investing into the church, he is still hurting, he is still a prisoner, and he still needs prayer. Which means those of us that are not struggling, our part is to pray for those who are. Because we are to seek and to save individually and collectively. Because if part of the body is hurting, then the rest of the body needs to band together to help that hurting part of the body to make it through. Because not a single one of us are in this by ourselves. As much as we struggle in public and around other people, we also struggle and live in this church and in this body together, which means I can reach out and grab somebody else and say, I need some help. I'm not strong enough to make it on my own. I need your help. This is how we're going to end this morning. If you are in the midst of a struggle or a circumstance and you need God's help to get through, I want you to come first. If you're going through stuff, I want you to just come and stand up here in the front. The David going through cancer. and God can heal it. We're going to bind through you. If you've got family situations or circumstances that you need God to help with, I want you to come and stand. If there's somebody that you're standing in for, if you've got family or friends that are not here, but they need help, I want you to come and stand in their place. And when you get up here, you tell God, God, I'm standing in for so-and-so. You tell God that. And y'all, come on, that's fine. I'll give y'all time.
And now what we're going to do as the rest of us, as many as will, I want the rest of us to come down and we're going to lay hands on these. And we are going to pray for strength and we are going to pray for peace and we are going to pray for healing and we are going to bind together as a church and as a family. And we are going to pray the power of God, strengthen those that are going through stuff and circumstances and situations. So if you're willing to pray, if you would come down with me and we're going to lay hands on these and we're going to pray in the name of Jesus. To all of our visitors, thank you for being with us. We love you and we bless you in Jesus' name.